What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. I want you to turn to, to John 11, please. John 11. So, the title of today's message is called Living in the Throne Room. Living in the Throne Room. And let me just say that this is the key to life. That you and I, we forget about ourselves. And we begin to focus on how great our God is. Jesus came to give us abundant life. John 10, 10. He says the thief, the enemy, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy wants to kill you. There's somebody alive that wants to kill you. That's what Jesus said. Actively trying to kill you and destroy you. But there's also one who is actively wanting you to walk in abundant life. And everybody has choices. What do they want? Do you want to keep bowing down to the enemy? Do you want to bow down to King Jesus and experience what he has for you? Jesus is here. Lazarus is dead. And he's like, roll away the stone. Let's pick it up in verse 41. So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and he said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this on the account of people standing around that they may believe you sent me. Christian, disciple, Jesus always walked in the reality that he was before his father's throne. He walked in the reality of heaven. He prayed out loud, not for his benefit, but for those around him to know that he has the power to raise the dead and that his dad always hears him. My dad always hears me. Everything that's going on in my life, my dad always hears me. And Jesus walked. He walked in the reality that my dad is on, my thr- on his throne, ruling and reigning, and he has everything under control. When he says, peace be still, things were still. I want you to turn to Colossians chapter 3. God, we continue to acknowledge your presence here because you say when two or three are gathered in your name, you are with us. You are with us. You'll never leave us or forsake us, Jesus. I thank you for your spirit. We acknowledge you, Holy Spirit. We acknowledge you that we're not going to do anything today unless you move. We're not smart enough. We're not good enough. We don't even have ears to hear unless you help us hear. So we humble ourselves before you, acknowledging our poverty in spirit so we can experience the kingdom. Colossians 3, 1 and 2, it says, if, the, if then you have been raised with Christ. So baptism, right? You go under the water. That represents you're going and you're being buried 
And then when we raise you up, we say, now you're buried with Christ, but raised to new life. And so if you've been raised with Christ, that means if you're saved, if you are not saved today, I encourage you to do so. Because there's a time that's coming where God has appointed to judge the living and the dead. And all of us will stand before God. And when he asked me that question, hey, Chris, why should I let you in? I can't blame the church, which would be you guys, by the way. I can't blame my mama. I can't blame. I'm going to have to acknowledge you shouldn't let me in, Father. Because I am wretched, miserable, poor, and blind, full of sin and rebellion. I deserve wrath. I should not get in. I do not deserve it. But I'm not trusting in my own works. I'm trusting in this cross where your son died and bled for my sins. He took what I deserve so that I don't have to suffer the wrath of God. And my faith is holy in that, not in myself. Again, if you're not born again, I pray you do so today. Because Apostle Paul preached the gospel in Acts chapter 17. He looked at the culture and all of their different idols. And he says, wow, an idol to the unknown God. Here's the deal, though. God has overlooked your ignorance in the past, but now he commands everyone everywhere to repent because he's appointed a day where he's going to judge the living and the dead. And if you walk out of here without Christ today, Scripture warns of that. Do not harden your hearts like they did in the rebellion where the Israelites died off in the wilderness because they did not believe. Do not harden your hearts today. Cry out, God. Give me a heart to repent. Give me a heart to surrender. All of it, God. You are worthy. Colossians 2, if you've been raised with Christ, if you're born again, seek the things that are above. That's not an option, Christian. It's not an option. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So here, where's Christ? He's at the right hand of God. So, so, so we're supposed to set our mind on things above. This is what Scripture says. Verse 2. Set your mind on things above. It says it again, twice. Is it an option, Christian? No, not for the Christian. So this is a command. And, and, and before we receive this command, listen, some of us need to say, God, I'm sorry I don't do this. I don't do this. Please forgive me. I, I, I look at my week last week, worry, concern, apathy, complacency, laziness, Shrinking back, not stepping forward, not believing, staying in my sorrow, staying in my shame. I was not even looking at you at all this past week. And we disobeyed this command. Disciple. Here's the deal. God's not mad at you. His wrath was satisfied on the cross. But he is also the resurrection and the life, and he came to give you abundant life. But if you don't obey him, you're not going to experience abundant life. Let me say that again. He is the resurrection and the life, but if you don't obey his commands, you will not experience abundant life. And so understand, I'm not a bad guy up here who's yelling. 
I'm a God that loves you and wants what's best for you. Do not harden your hearts. Do not harden your hearts. The Christian walk is one victory after another. When we walk in the lion of the tribe of Judah who has conquered, and it says, weep no more in my Bible, Revelation 5.5. We have won because he has won. It is finished. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know what you came to do today, church. You're sitting like quiet. Guys, it's this time. This is it. This chapter four and five. Oh, 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 my gosh. Look, I've been kicked out of two Miami Dolphin games. Not one, but two. You know why? One time before Christ, I had a little few into my, into my system. Pre-Christ. But I'm yelling at the Dolphins because nobody was cheering in that section. What's wrong with you? And everybody's looking at me like, what is wrong with you, guy? <laughs> I'm like, we are the team that went undefeated in 1972. We are perfect. We are royalty, right? And so stand up and do your prayer. And I'm yelling, and they kicked me out. They asked me out. Get that drunk guy out of there. I'm going after the, our own Dolphin fans. Hey, I'm not drunk today. We're not to be filled on wine, but filled drunk on what? Right? To be intoxicated by God. And so I'm yelling at you today. Get up out of your grave. It's time to roll away the stone and get those grave clothes off. We're going to take an offering now. I'm just kidding. We don't, we don't need an offering. We're going to worship our king today. And so this passage in Revelation chapter 4 teaches us how to live in the throne room, how to worship and adore our great king because he is worthy. And I've got 40 minutes of this. You better pray for me. Did you know heaven is mentioned in the Bible more than 500 times? 500 times, not just a few times. Over 500 times heaven is mentioned. Where's our focus been this week? Chapters 4 and 5 of the Bible, which is where we are this week. And next week, chapter 5, which is my favorite favorite, because that's the lamb and the lion. These are the most descriptive chapters of heaven. This is our home, guys. You know, you see those dream boards that people do? I want this, and I want this, and I want this. Hey, listen, that's garbage. We got to save the planet. It's going to get burned up. We're going to see that in Revelation, by the way. <laughs> you can't save it. Get out of your humanistic feet. this guy believe we shouldn't go green? What's the most commanded thing in Scripture? What is it? 
There's nobody, right, right, right? So, yeah, usually, yeah, we believe it's love. <laughs> it's worship the Lord. Over a thousand times, worship. Why were the wise men wise? They bowed down and worshiped to their king. Now, worship should be from a motive of love. But praise him, worship him, adore him. He is worthy. We are commanded more than any other thing over a thousand times in the Bible to worship God. The issue with us is we want to worship ourselves. And that's why this past week, our thoughts were probably more on ourselves and our situation rather than him. I want you to turn to Philippians 4, please. Philippians 4. I run into people all the time. Well, I'm processing. I'm processing. I'm going through a season. I'm going through a season. And listen, there's times for that, and there's times to process, okay? But there's also times you need to stop it. Say stop it. Stop it. Obey the Bible. This guy here, I don't know, man. I don't think I'm coming back. <laughs> Philippians 4, 4. What's it say? Hello. Come on. Is that describe your, your week last week? Uh, we know how to rejoice in our sufferings, don't we? Rejoice in the Lord. Listen, write this down if you're taking note. If you want to, you don't have to. I hate when people tell me what to do. Um, If you feel led, write this down. Your starting place determines your outcome. If you don't leave here worshiping, you might need to get saved today. If you don't leave here rejoicing... If you don't leave here loving God more, you may need to come forward for prayer. There may be some issues going on in your life. Well, that's a bold statement. You think your sermon's so good? No, I think Revelation 4 is so good. Come on. Rejoice in the Lord. Win, 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 win. Oh, forgive me, God. I don't do that. Can I get a witness? Right? We don't do that. Forgive us, God. Your kids who, who, who have every reason to worship you and rejoice in you all the time, we don't do that. Always. And again, I will say rejoice. See, the reason why I don't live rejoicing is because I don't live before the throne. I don't rejoice because I don't live before the throne. And I want you guys, this is what God is saying today. Hey, live before the throne. Verse 5, let your reasonableness, gentleness, patience, and mild. Chris, you don't sound too patient right now. I know. But don't judge from outward appearances. Be careful of judgments. God is so patient. If you're breathing, it's because he's patient. How could a good God let those things happen? That's the wrong question. 
how could a good and holy and just God allow me to live another day? That's a right perspective. He's terrifying. He is awesome. He is holy. He is just. He is right. He is worthy of all of our worship. And when I believe him to be what the Bible says he is, I don't have to be first. I can let others go first. I don't have to win. I can be patient in my walk in life. And people will see that because I've already won. It is finished. This is my home. I'm an alien stranger. I'm passing through. See, when you live in the throne room, you can be gentle with people that are coming at you sideways. And it needs to be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Look at that. The Lord is at hand. Hey, live like the Lord is on his throne and he's at hand. Six, here's another command we disobey all the time as Christians. And we, we, oh, it's okay. It's okay. Oh, it's okay. Hey, listen, it's not okay. You're disobeying the commands. Don't do that. He understands, but he says, do not be afraid. He understands, but he says, do not. It's a command. Do not be anxious. He understands when we worry, but when we worry, the reason why we're worrying is because we're not living before his throne. We don't have a proper view of God. If we did, we would not worry. He understands, but the command is, don't do it. And if you do that as a practice, as a way of life, listen, today's your day. Chapter 4 of Revelation. Let's keep looking at verse 6. And, and, and let me just, before I go on, don't be anxious about it. Some of you are like, when am I going to be healed? When are my struggles going to go away? When are my fears going to go away? Listen, listen, listen. This is how you process Some of you are processing wrong. I'm teaching you how to process today. You don't need 10 sessions in the inner healing room. Today could be the day. Verse 6, in everything. Is that most things? Is that some things? In everything. By prayer and supplication, Philippians 4, verse 6, with what? Thanksgiving. You want to highlight that. Here's why. Because a lot of us, we pray and we give it to God, but we're not thankful. The only way you can be thankful is if you really believe he has this issue. If you don't believe in his greatness, his goodness, and his character, you can't rejoice because you don't think he can handle that. Young men that are single. Oh, how will I know if she's the one? Oh, God, how will I know? Oh, God, I got, uh, maybe I got to get on this app. And, okay, maybe I got to, okay, uh, this church doesn't have a lot of, uh, of dudes in here. I'm going to go to another church that has more dudes, better fishing, bigger pond. Oh, nobody ever thought that, right? And what's going on is we don't believe in God. And we're worried. We're anxious. We're anxious. What if I miss? What if I miss? What if I miss? 
And here's today, Revelation 4. Listen, listen, listen. Your dad loves you more than you love yourself. He is good. He is not going to let you miss it. So begin to look. She could be the one. Thank you, God. She could be the one. Thank you, God. She could be the one. Thank you, God. I'm not worried anymore. I'm thanking you, God, because when that right time comes, you're going to bring her to me because you did it to Adam while he was sleeping. He wasn't awake, and you brought Eve to him while he was asleep. So I'm going to sleep. Because I know you got it. And let me tell you, fellas, that's what's called the high pro glow. Meaning, when you walk around like you don't need something, that's attractive. You walk around, hey girl, how you doing? I want to get... That's not attractive. There's a confidence that we're called to walk in, trusting that God is going to make my path straight. As I trust him with all my heart, and I lean not on my own understanding, acknowledge him with all of my ways, and he will make my path straight. I'm not going to miss it. And so that's how you can be thankful when you really believe God to be God. The reason why we can't thank God is because we don't believe God to be God. And what I'm saying to you in love, repent. Repent. This is how you process. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. I thank God that I quit picking out girls. I was like, oh, for I don't know what. And when I finally put my, fur, my finger on the verse of Adam going to sleep and God bringing him Eve, I said, you know what, God? I'm in the kingdom now. I'm back in Eden. If you did that for Adam, you can do it for me. I release that to you, and I thank you that you got me. I'm not going to miss it. And a little while later, the queen, Colleen, came in. And because I wasn't looking, my community was saying, what about Colleen? What about Colleen? What about Colleen? Did you think about Colleen? Did you? Anyway. So I didn't even have to go figure it out. My community helped me. See, but see, yeah, yeah, when we come once a month, we might not know what community is. Oh, 11 o'clock, welcome, welcome, welcome. So Thanksgiving, let your request be named. Leave it there, leave it there. Don't try to hand off the baton to God and then continue to hold it. He's trying to run with it, you're holding on. Don't do that. Stop it. Seven. Then the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So a Christian says, man, peace will guard my heart and mind. So by faith and by the power of your promise and your word, I release that to you, God. I praise you because you have it. You have it all. I want to walk and I want to live in Revelation 4. And so now, God, I just want to receive your peace by faith. To believe. To believe. John 6. The work It's to believe. It's to believe. And there's a rejoicing that comes. Verse 8, finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's pure, just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Listen, please put in your Bible chapter 4 and chapter 5 of Revelation because all of what we're about to get into is that. And so this is key today. 
This is what it means to live the abundant life, to be a disciple. But in order to receive and to get, we have to repent. We have to acknowledge, hey, wait a minute. I'm not rolling like that. This isn't my way of life. I don't even know what this guy's talking about still. I've never been to Revelation 4. And I hope that that's not. Verse 9. What you learned and received and heard of me, practice. Listen, Christianity, we have this weird, weird dynamic where people think they can go to church, they can take a Jesus bubble bath, and it's going to be good all week, and we don't have to do anything. Christianity is learning how to abide in Christ. Christianity is a person that is so focused on God, all of who he is, that he forgets about himself and just worships God. Christianity is a person whose heart is so undivided to the Lord that he says, yeah, I don't want to do that because that's not going to bring glory to his name. That's Christianity. Christianity is living in the throne room of God from a heavenly perspective all the time. All the time. Practice. It's practice, guys. It's not a game. It's practice. Come on, Alan Iverson. It's practice. It's practice. It's practice. When Jesus said it is finished, guys, guess what he meant? There's nothing else to add to the cross. It's finished. It is done. We won the Super Bowl. We got it all. It's finished. It's finished. This is all just practice. And so I pray that you would make a practice of living in chapter 4 and chapter 5 as a way of life. Well, let's go there. It's about time, Chris. I know. This is how you live the abundant life. Living before the throne room of God is how you live the abundant life. And listen, there are times where you need healing and prayer. There are times where you need to process things. But guys, there is also time where you need to begin to believe what God has declared. And you need to choose to walk in that victory. Many people are so down because they lost view of God. It's like clouds that come over and you can't see the sun, but you know the sun's there, but there's clouds Those clouds are so weak. What you're dealing with right now is so weak, it'll be gone. Sorrow may last for the night. What comes in the morning? Joy. And sometimes we wait for that joy. And what I'm telling you today is get in the throne room so that you're filled with joy. That you walk in the reality of the throne room of God. Revelation 4.1. And by the way, I've had one of the best weeks ever. You know why? Because I'm trying, I've I've been in this text this week. Little problems come, who cares? I'm going to heaven when I die. Chris, what are we going to do? Throne room. Hey, Father, what do you want us to do? It's not my problem, your problem. Somebody steals my car. God, somebody stole your car. It's not my car, it's your car. All I have is yours. It's, It's crazy, right? No, that's Christianity normal. God, help us to believe. 
We believe. Help our unbelief. Revelation 4.1. After this. It could also mean after these things. I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. I want you to highlight door. John chapter 10. Jesus says what? I am the door. Understand. Jesus is the one who gets you into heaven. There is no other way. Jesus says in John 14.6. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. In Timothy it says there's one mediator between man and God. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the door. He made a way. And this is the difference between you and God. We, Revelation 3.20, he stands at the door and knocks because his doors usually sh- our doors usually shut. That's why he's knocking. He wants in. He wants in. He wants in today. His door's always open. Christian, disciple, his door is always open. He has an open door policy. And he's calling out, saying, come on, there's a door standing open. And my blood was spilled. My body was broken so that you can have a way in to the throne room. That's why we rejoice. Understand in Acts chapter 7, 56, we see Stephen being stoned. That was his reality. But guess where Stephen was while he was being stoned? He was in the throne room. Because scripture says in verse 56 of Acts 7, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And it says his face shone like an angel. See, he was being stoned with real stones, stoned to death. But his face was shining. And he was praying for those killing him. See, the only chance you have to love your enemies is to be up in the throne room. Because they can say what they want to say. I'm staying here. I'm staying here. My gaze is on you, Jesus. Verse 1 continued. And this first voice, which I heard speaking like a voice of a trumpet. Some of you are like, dude, you are too loud. Hey, listen, no, it's a trumpet, bro. It's like, this guy's like extra. Yeah, I, okay, you, I've seen you at football games. And listen, the Dolphins are really not that good, but we do go all out for them. A trumpet. When a trumpet sounded in the book of Nehemiah, the call was everybody to come together. Then he said, come up here, come up here. Why? What's the motive of that? That is the heart of your father. He's like, come to me, come to me. He wants you to come to him because he loves you. And not only that, but it says, I'll show you what must take place after after this. That must means must. I'm going to show you what's going to happen. Listen, it says in Amos 3, 7, that God does nothing, nothing, unless he tells the prophets first. Many of us don't believe that here. So we listen to what's going on in our society. And a lot of people were hating on those of us who went against the good Dr. Fauci. But, by the way, I haven't gotten any apologies about that. Not that I need it. It's not about me. But you might want to respect the office of the prophets nowadays. Okay? Not what's going on. I believe in science. Yeah, I believe in the God who created science. 
And I believe in the God who turned water into wine. If you don't know what I'm talking about, that's okay. Just understand, we want to be led by the Spirit, not what the culture is saying, not what our leaders are saying. We are led by the Holy Spirit of God. And in these last days, God is going to tell forth things to his prophets before they happen because he loves you. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Be careful who you listen to. I want you to understand something. His desire, his desire is to be with you. That's why he would always say, walking on the earth, come and see, come and see, come and see. Verse 2. Wow, we're finally on verse 2. And immediately I was in the spirit. You might want to highlight that. When you're in the spirit, you get clarity, perspective. You get a vision that is otherworldly because you're in the throne room. You can see properly. You're not arguing about things down here that people are seeing. You're, 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 you're viewing the throne room, and you have a heavenly perspective. When I picked my kids up because they were little, Dad, I can't see. Dad, I can't see. Here you go. Come up here and let me put you on my shoulder so now you can see. It's because the Father loves you that he says, come up here. I want to show you what's really important. How do we walk in the Spirit? How do we live in the Spirit? By living chapter 4. Okay? Also, there's some key verses in the Bible. Romans 8, don't set your mind on things of the flesh because that's death. But set your mind on the spirit, which is life and peace. If you want to walk in life and peace, you're focused on Holy Spirit. I want to be in the spirit. I want to be in the spirit today because there's life and peace. It also says in Galatians, those who are led by the spirit will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. If you are desiring something to do something that you know goes against God's word, come up in the spirit and say, Holy Spirit, I want to do this, but this is not holy. Come. I want to be in the spirit. And here, God pours out his spirit and says, come on up here in the spirit. And where was he? At a throne. There's a throne in heaven and one seated on the throne. I want you to highlight throne every time we see it, please. Why? Because 12 times in this passage, it's throne. It's throne. It's throne. Look, we're going to encounter some creatures with the face of a lion with eyes and wings all within and without. They keep repeating stuff. Don't get off the main focus of this chapter. The throne, the throne, the throne, the throne. I want to live before the throne of God. He is my all. Verse three. And he who sat there. The thrones implied right there. Had the appearance of Jasper or Carnelian or Sardis in other translations. And around the throne was a rainbow that, that, that had the appearance of an emerald. And so if you could just go ahead and, 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 and throw up the um, ephod for me. The ephod. 
So, real quick, I don't have time to go into this, but priests were called to wear an ephod. And what each one of these rocks that were on the, the ephod of the priest, they had 12 stones. And those 12 stones represented the 12 tribes of Israel. Why is that important? Because a true priest should have the heart of the people close. That's why God did that. Every priest, you need to not worry about yourself, but worry about these tribes that you are offering sacrifices for. Be concerned with them, not about yourself. That's the role of the priest. Now, this is what's cool about that. The jasper stone was the stone of the firstborn, was Reuben's stone. Reuben means, behold, a son. Jesus is the firstborn of many brethren, by the way. And so Reuben's stone means behold a son. Reuben, the name Reuben means behold a son. The last stone, so the first stone was Jasper. The last one is Carnelian or Sardis. That's the Benjamin stone. That was the youngest one, right? And his name means son of my right hand. And why, is these, why, why are these stones important? So the first and the last, who's the first and the last? That's our God. So the first and last stones of the ephod, right? That's pretty cool. Also, Jesus is the son of God's right hand. So when you look at the father, there's an aspect of the son. And all of his glory and all of his brilliance. Now notice what it says, a rainbow. As I was meditating on this and... Listen, our battle is not against flesh and blood. But what does a rainbow symbolize in our day? Do you not? I, yeah, it does in the Bible symbolize promise. Good, great answer. That's what its original intent was. That God flooded the earth and he put a rainbow because I'm never going to destroy. God keeps his promises. Okay, so. Great scientific study with the ice age and the flood. Anyway, you could do it in your own time. It's time to get there. But listen, a rainbow was put there. A rainbow in the sky. In our culture today, what's the rainbow for? And I just, I just, I just want to just humbly say this. That there is a warning. Because the very thing that God gives in his holy word of himself People are throwing that around to represent something that God calls an abomination. And the world, listen, the beginning, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Wisdom. A fool says in his heart, there is no God. And there is like a holy, holy compassion. Like these people don't realize what they're doing when they're waving that flag. They don't realize, they don't realize, God have mercy, God have mercy. This rainbow represents the faithfulness of God, the character and nature of God, that he would not lie, that he keeps his promises. We see all of these stones here. Jasper, carnelian, this glory, this radiance, this beauty, this splendor, this emerald rainbow. Like, God is so beautiful. He's seated in a posture of ruling and reigning. He has the victory. Verse 4. 
around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. There's a big controversy in the church, and uh, again, let's not get off on the sideshows, but some people believe it could be the 12 tribes and the 12 apostles that make the 24. There's also the Levitical priests in uh, 1 Chronicles 25, 1 Chronicles 24, where there was 24 worshipers worshiping before the throne. But listen, I don't, I don't want us to get off on that. What I want us to do is to understand this. These people were seated on thrones. Those thrones were delegated. God is a leader that delegates authority. He delegates it out. He gave them thrones. And also, he gave them white garments. What does it say in Revelation 3 that we already went through? Hey, come buy from me garments so that you can be clothed in white. We also know, uh, according to a lot of different passages, James 1.12, um, Paul, who says 2 Timothy 4.8, that he's going to receive a crown, that we're going to get a crown someday. And so everything that we have, whether throne, which is a position of authority, whether the garments, which talk about Christ's righteousness, whether a crown meaning God, that was given to us because we stand firm in God. Everything that we have is given to us. And listen, write this down, John 3, 27. It says this, a man can receive nothing unless it's given to him from heaven. Your crown is broken. A man can receive nothing unless it's given to him from heaven. Not one thing. And these people here were worshiping They were worshiping. Who are they? It doesn't really matter. What matters is who is on the throne. It wasn't matter that they have golden crowns. It doesn't matter with white garments. It doesn't even matter about their throne. What matters is who's on that throne. Don't get it twisted. Your life is not about you, Christian. Who is on the throne of your heart? Who is the throne of your life? Who is ruling and reigning everything? So important. So important that we answer that question. Verse 5. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. I want you to turn to Exodus 20, please. Rumblings. You can take that down, Sebastian. Peals of thunder. There is an awe. Exodus 20, verse 18, it says this, and we're always going to come back to Revelation chapter 4. Sorry, but it is the last book in the Bible. It's easy to find. Verse 20, chapter 20, verse 18, it says, When all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of a trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were what? Afraid. And they trembled. And they stood far off. Listen, some of our songs that we sing, God, pour out your spirit. God, fill us up. God, bring your presence. Listen, if he really brought what he had, there would be nobody standing. There is a terror of God. The Israelites, they saw this and they said, Moses, you you speak to us. We'll listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. So we have carnelian, jasper, rainbow, emerald, 
the beauty and the majesty, the glory of God. But also, don't forget this, because see, in our watered-down churches today, we want to talk about the beauty. We want to talk about that, but we don't want to talk about the terror and the awe and the reverence of a holy God. God is not just if there is no judgment. And we don't want to reckon with that. And when we don't believe in God's justice, we will demand it ourselves from each other. Be careful of what spirit you're following. He is holy. He is holy. I loved Lion the Witch in the Wardrobe, the movie Aslan. Is he nice, that lion? He is nice, but I'm also afraid of him. It's a both and, people. It's a both and. I'll never forget the time I was jogging, which some of you might need faith to receive that right now. <laughs> and I'm running on Palm Beach, and there was a storm that was a brewing. And I saw it, and I'm like, I think I can do this. It's the pride in me, right? And all of a sudden, that thing came up on me. And it was like hitting in the middle of the intercoastal. It was raining, rumblings of thunder. Pow! Dee! And you're jumping back, right? And then all of a sudden, I just sat and thought, and all of a sudden, this verse came to my mind. I've hid in your word in my heart that it might not, what? Sin against you. So I'm like, you know what, Lord? Today could be my day if you take me out. So I started running again. And I was so happy. I was so scared because at any minute I could die. But I kept running because all oh, the glory, all oh, the fear, all oh, the awe and wonder. And you're like, what's wrong with you, dude? I don't know. But I don't need to know because I want to live in the throne room. If I'm fixed there, it really doesn't matter what's going on down here. Rumblings of thunder and lightning. Fear. We need God to bring us back to the fear of the Lord in the church. He's terrifying. Our God is a consuming fire. He is terrifying. He's beautiful and lovely and good, but he's very scary. And you might not like that, but you need to get your doctrine right. This is your doctrine right here. Revelation 4, 5. You might have grown up in a church where all they talk about is God's love, and that's good. But there's a severity to God as well. I want to go to 5B. It says, before the throne, we're burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. Next week, we're going to talk about that. But listen, if you don't believe me, we'll talk about it next week. This is the Holy Spirit. You wonder why, hey, why does God the Father have chapter 4? Jesus has chapter 5. We believe in the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Why doesn't he get a chapter? Well, he's in both chapters. 
Revelation 5, 6. Don't look there. We're going to go there next week. Verse 6. And before the throne, there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. This is otherworldly. It's like walking on like a diamond floor. Radiant, glorious. Can you imagine? I told the first service, I was like, you know, <laughs> Revelation, it says that our streets are paved with gold. They're paved with gold. So I'm not trying to save up my money to put some pavement around my neck. They thought it was funnier than you did. When you begin to live in another realm, which is what we're called to be, set your mind on things above, set your mind on things above, live in the throne room. The things of this earth become strangely dim. When my motive is the love of God for the glory of God, for the worship of God, all of this stuff fades because I'm caught up in his presence. And I don't know about you, but that's where I want to be. Look at verse 6. Around the throne, each side of the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first creature like a lion. The second like an ox. The third living creature like the face of a man. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. Listen, if you want to go deeper on that, Ezekiel chapter 1. Full of eyes. Full of eyes. Guys, we have two eyes. Our perspective is limited. They're full of eyes, and what do they do? They stay in the throne room. They want to see God in his glory. They just want to worship. They continue to say in verse 8, day and night, they never cease. Holy, 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 holy Father, holy Son, holy Spirit is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. You see, the problem with Peter when he was walking on water, he looked at the wind and the waves and he began to sink. Then he got his eyes back on Jesus and he's back up walking on water again. He was fixed on the one who's seated on the throne. We are called in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. We're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Who's the witnesses? These four people or creatures or whatever they are. Since we're surrounded by a great crowd of witnesses, let us throw off every weight, every sin that entangles us. And let us fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. So you stop concerning, be concerned about your life so much. What he started will finish. He's the author. He's the finisher. Live in the throne room. Live enraptured by his glory. And live like, like overwhelmed with who he is. Because as you behold him, you become like him. He's holy. Holy means this, to be completely separate from evil to be unstained by any evil, to be holy means no error or no wrongdoing. There is nothing but good in his heart. 
He is love. He is holy. He is pure. And when, my, when I'm fixed on the throne room, guess what I'm going to be? Because I want to go after that. He is worthy. He is holy. It also says he is almighty. You see that? That means that he is all powerful, that there is no weakness, that there is no rival. There is nothing that is hard for God. To heal a headache, to raise somebody from the dead, both easy to God. Both easy. Both of them take one word. Everything we see was created with a word, let there be. Let there be. And everything you're struggling with right now, what if our God, as you focus on him in the throne room, just simply says, hey, you know what? Let that be. Let that be healed. Let that be fixed. Verse 9. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who's seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever. See, living in a throne room, listen, no flesh glory in his presence. No flesh, his glory, his glory, not mine. His honor, his honor. I don't need to be honored by men. I need, I need him to be honored. And thanks. We don't need thanks. We want to thank him because he is one. He has done it. He is it. He is all. Verse 10, 24 elders. And this is the first time that you'll see six times in the book of Revelation that these guys will fall down on their faces before God. Listen, worship's going to happen at the end here soon, I promise. Actually, worship's been happening as we've been focused on the throne room. And let me, let me say this as well. When you read Isaiah 58, God says to the nation of Israel, I'm tired of your songs. Now, worship team, I love you. I'm just quoting Matthew 58, or Isaiah 58. I'm tired of your songs. I'm tired of them. Worship is how you deal with the poor, how you deal with the stranger, how you share, how you give, how you live. That's worship. That's worship. And this is worship here. And so these people, they're falling down before God. Church, bow down. Listen, you can shout. You can clap. Bible says shout to the Lord. Praise him. You can lift your hands. You can come put your face in the carpet right here. You're allowed to do that, guys. Because someday you are going to fall down and you are going to be undignified. Not caring how you look, not caring what you have. And you're going to throw it all down before him because he is worthy. So we might as well start doing it today. And what did they say, verse 11? You are worthy. That's that Greek word, axios. It represents the Roman soldiers coming in in triumphal procession with the emperor. They won the victory, and everybody's saying, You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. It's not about us. This is about you. You are worthy. You are worthy. And listen, it, it keeps going. Our Lord, our God, to receive glory. Oh, God, may I never try to take your glory. 
Help me do my good works in such a way that it brings glory to you, God. Forgive me when I've tried to take glory. You receive honor. You, God, you are be the one that receives honor. You receive power, God. You created all things. And by your will, they existed and they were created. Everything in my life, everything's going on, everything that's been created, it's by your will that they exist. It's somebody stops breathing tomorrow, it's by your will that they don't exist. It's appointed for a person to be born, to die, and then the judgment. We all know when turkeys are going to die, Thanksgiving. We don't know when we're going to die. But understand, you can't die unless he says, this is your day. So go run in the next lightning storm. No, don't do that. The Bible says, don't test the Lord your God. So if you could put up that last picture, as I was meditating this passage all week, some applications, and some of you are like, I can't see that. That's okay. You go get it yourself. You have the Holy Spirit in you, but living before the throne, it means that we have access at any time because the door's open. Living before the throne means we have a posture to obey his will. And that he that that his call to come and see so I expect him to show me things I'm walking with a faith expecting my dad wants to show me things before they happen living before the throne means I desire to be in the spirit it means I worship God because he's beautiful it means I'm walking with a reverent awe it means that we desire the fire of the Holy Spirit and the fullness of his presence always it means that my focus gazes on my great king our great king who is above all it means constant worship, constant adoration. It means he gets the glory. He gets the honor. He gets the thanks. It means everything that has been given to me, I'm giving it back to him and saying you are worthy. It means walking in the reality that the eternal will of God is going to be done. His will will be done in my life. His will will be done in my life. Because he created all things, and by his will they exist. So I step into Ephesians 2.10, which says that I'm his workmanship, I'm his poem, I'm his masterpiece, I'm his work of art, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he's prepared in advance that I should walk in them. All I got to do is walk. All I got to do is walk, and I will experience his will. When I'm walking in the throne room, I'm going to experience the will of God. I feel like David Newcomb from last week. When I walk in the throne <laughs> Anyway, so great job, David. So here we are. Worship team, come on up. Church, let's look at four now. Because, see, we don't have children's church, so you're in trouble at 11 a.m., we are like seven, I'm seven, 58 over. Online, we're just going to pray right now. Worship team, I want to pray. <clears throat> Church, let's, let's join in prayer. Let's ask God for the gift to go into the throne room to stay there. To live, no more anxious, giving it to him. Let's, I, want, I want you to look at, at Revelation 4.1, and let's, let's begin to enter in. This is one way we can live in the throne room. Oh, Father, we just want to come. We want to look. We want to behold you. I thank you that you've opened the door, Jesus, by your blood. 
and you are calling us, saying, come here, come here, come here, come here. I thank you, God, that you spoke to Adam in the cool of the day, that you came down the mountain with Moses, God, that you want to be with your people. You call yourself Emmanuel. You are always calling us to yourself, and you say, come here. I pray for those, God, who are experiencing dryness. I pray for the intimacy of God. That they would believe that you are calling them to yourself. Give us faith to come up here, God. Verse 2, we want to be in the spirit, God. We want to be in the spirit, God, beholding your throne. Worshiping you who are seated on the throne. Oh, God, you are beautiful. You are glorious. There is a rainbow with emeralds and jasper. And we just adore you, Jesus. We want to see your beauty, God. We can't wait to see your beauty, God. You are beautiful. I thank you for the 24 thrones that are before you, God. I praise you for them. They're there because of you. You are worthy, God. Flashes of lightning, rumbling, peers of... I pray, God, that you would help us to live in an awe. To live in an awe of you, God. A reverent fear of you, God. I pray for the torches of fire. God, may we not be lukewarm. May we not be cold. God, I pray you would fan the flame today, that you would light our church on fire so we burn from you. Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you would just come and burn away what doesn't belong. God, you are a consuming fire. And Holy Spirit, Jesus said, John the Baptist said, Jesus, that, that you will baptize us with fire. We just ask for that. Not your judgment, not your wrath fire. We're asking for the fire that happened with the burning bush, where the bush just came and flamed, but nothing burned away. Oh, the glory of God. Yes, God. We just say, yes, Lord, we want that, Father. We want that, God. And God, I, I, I thank you for the creatures around your throne that they never cease to pray. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. We say holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. You are worthy, God. Help us not to move from that place, God, of worship and adoration. You deserve it all, God. It's not about us. This is about you. This is about you, God. You're on your throne forever and ever. You are eternal. And we cast everything down at your feet because you are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy to receive all glory. Forgive us for those times, God, where we sought glory. You deserve all honor. And yours is the power. Because you created everything and you created us. And it's by your will that we exist. It's by your will that we were created. Created in your image and likeness. Oh God. We 
just adore you, Father. We bless you, Father. We kiss towards you, God. And as we sing, God, as we worship, let it not be just words. May their truth, the truth of what we sing, resound in our lives. As you say, come up here. Come up here and live in my presence. We thank you, God, that you not only say come up here, but you are the God that came down to us. We thank you for the cross and the resurrection and the fact that we have the victory. Help us, God, now. We love you. In Jesus' name. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com.